2: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl Mocktail trend on social media
1: so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today.
2: Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt... The buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now
1: well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me (laughs) undies makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it right now you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com roses. That's MeUndies.com roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me Undies, comfort from the outside in.
0: It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses.
1: This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of roses.
0: I can speak for myself and I want a man who is going to stand and support me when I speak and not a man who's going to speak for me. As a female, as a female of color, there's a lot of situations where people speak for me and my voice isn't heard. I'm empowered when. I can speak for myself i also have to be confident in myself to make decisions for myself ultimately i do feel like we're not necessarily on the same page i just don't see this relationship progressing and so i do need to walk through that
2: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
1: This is Bachelor Clues. And we have just concluded viewing of Episode 5, Week 4 of Bachelorette, Season 18. Tonight's offering had two one-on-one dates, a group date, we had our cocktail party, we had a lot of shit going on in tonight's big game. There were some interesting plays. There were some decent plays. There were some terrible fucking-
2: Errors. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Just some shit that is, not only was it an error, it was like, you're doing something you don't even have to be doing. An unforced error.
2: Unforced error. The
1: worst kind. (laughs) I couldn't fucking believe it, but we had an interesting creature or two and we'll be getting to those as well. So are you ready to do this pace case?
2: Before we get into any of that, Oh. We have some business to take care of. What do we got? The holidays are coming up, Clues. Mm. And you know what that means? Time to gift people some literature.
1: Oh. Don't you think? Yes, I see where you're going now, yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) And what better literature than literature that talks about love as a sport? I feel like that's the real spirit of Christmas. That's the real spirit of Thanksgiving. Love is a game.
1: Jesus famously said that, as did the pilgrims.
2: Mm -hmm. They all said that. And therefore, the best book that you can pre-order right now is How to Win the Bachelor by Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace. It's available now wherever you get your books, or you can go to howtowinthebachelor.com. We've got links to... All of the different places where you can order and give that special someone or someones even better the gift of a perfect tome.
1: Well, you really need to have this book when it comes out, like you need to be getting it the day it comes out, because as soon as it drops, the game itself is going to be drastically altered as the result of all incoming players reading this book. So. That's all I'm going to say you're going to eventually if you want to maintain your status as a student of our beloved game, which I think anyone listening mm-hmm. to our show views themselves as that. And I feel like I'm a student of the fucking game as well. If you are a student of the game, you're going to have to have this book. It's the only textbook really for the class of The Bachelor, if you will. And it comes out January 18th. <laughs> you can go to how to win the and pick it up, enter a couple of contests we have there. And, uh, you know, we're trying to hit a goal.
2: Good job, Clues.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Michelle Young. I'm
2: treating you as a student. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that shit, we're going to get to that shit, Clayton. I
2: am the ultimate
0: Viking!
1: Good job, Clayton. God damn it. Tonight had some crazy shit. All right, let's get to it. Let's do this now. Are you ready, Good Pace job, Case? Clayton. Here we go. This is what we came here to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present. Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Let's go! All right, we open tonight's big game in the same manner that we open all of our big games. We get these little intro packages tonight on The Bachelorette. Joe's going to get a one-on-one date at the Minnesota Twins game. Michelle's happy to be home in Minnesota. We hear that we're halfway through the journey. There's all these special moments. We see the Viking date. We see them doing a fear factor type uh, part of this date where they're eating raw fish. Clayton gets a kiss. Somebody's going to get a glow. Chris S feels like he got the short end of the stick. Martin gets a kiss. Brandon gets some tears. Somebody is taking down the other men with him, we hear someone say. And what we are missing from this promo and what we are missing ultimately from even the promo that comes at the end of this episode, I'll probably say this again because I won't be able to help myself. We are missing... Bring her home to us. We are missing the fence jump. This season is building to nothing. And I think that that is ultimately a huge reason why the ratings are down. The producers have failed to craft any interesting season-long narrative through this show. We are just watching people go on -on one-on-one dates. Some people get kicked off. Some people don't. And we move on there is no broader thing that we're like, whoa, how did that happen? Or who is she talking about in that clip? Or "How, how could this possibly be the final event of the season?
2: Book my flight home.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: Congratulations, you've blown up the Bachelorette.
1: Yes, we don't have any of that here. And I will also mention this. As we go through this episode, we're about to get into portion one. There was, in my opinion, a distinct lack of two people. In this episode, in tonight's big game, Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow. Caitlin, they appeared, and we'll get to it in the very end. The first time you see them is the final rose. <laughs> they show up to say this is the last rose, and then they show up for uh, Tam Sig. Take a moment, say your goodbyes, and that is it. Those are the only moments we see of them. Why is that? I have no idea. Bad producing. That's all it can be. They control Caitlin producers. They can make them do whatever they want whenever they want. They are absent from this entire game tonight. So the game doesn't have a feeling of structure. It doesn't have a feeling of producers are controlling it. It's just a bunch of people in Minnesota walking around and going on a couple of dates. The structure of the game component is completely gone. And the idea that all of this is somehow for our entertainment is also completely gone. It was a huge mistake, I thought, by the producers to not include them more. They're there. They show up at the fucking rose ceremony. Maybe they had to fly in later. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had to quarantine a few extra days. I don't know what the logistics of it were.
2: Yeah, I wonder if there was something going on.
1: Major ball drop, in in my opinion.
2: Yeah, missing that ultimate girl gang.
1: I Like Jesse Palmer, for example, will be present for every moment that he needs to be that guy they are going to fucking plug him into the right spots i feel like in 26 and beyond
2: can you guarantee it no
1: i mean who can guarantee anything asteroid can hit earth tomorrow portion one begins (laughs) the guys the guys are getting ready to go to minneapolis we see them packing their bags they're heading to the airport martin reminds us that chris s and nate had a fight so we know that's going to be some portion of what is going to happen in tonight's big game. We see a plane taking off. We get a few shots of the guys on the plane. And then we see the city itself, some landmarks, an American flag. And Michelle is walking the streets of Minnesota. She ITMs that her family's here. And this is the place that shaped her life. There's no better way for these guys to get to know her than to bring them to Minnesota.
2: She says it's been hard to have these relationships and not speak with the two people who know her best. Not Taitlin. It is her parents. She hugs her mom. Michelle talks about their strong relationship, and she tells her parents the hardest thing is she's having these intense emotions, and normally she can talk to you. Is there any reason why she's not allowed to have phone calls with her parents? No. She tells them that she has 11 guys left. Meanwhile, we see the guys wandering the streets of Minneapolis. Michelle's dad just wants the players left to make her their number one priority. We see the guys running up some stairs. Rodney gives Martin a piggyback ride. And the guys scream to Michelle in the sky. They're not even in their hotel room shouting off the balcony. They're just in a park.
1: This is what I'm talking about bad producing. This shot traditionally is with the remaining guys hanging over the balcony of whatever room they're in, in a hotel or the mansion or wherever it is when it gets down to this number. And they all scream out into the air or whatever michelle or, or whoever the bachelor it is, or how happy they are or whatever here they just pile these guys into like a fucking grass-filled median in the middle of a street or something and they're like ah, oh, just scream it out i'll get the shot it's just terribly done like no forethought put into this there's no idea in the producer's mind that it like needs to look good it has to look a certain way the presentation of this matters and it seems like the producer just don't give a fuck here
2: It was like they forgot to film them entering the hotel room or maybe the hotel rooms turned out to be really horrible so they didn't want to focus on it and do a traditional I love Cleveland shot. I don't know. But part of the travel round is you're supposed to like hype it up and make it seem like it's this extravagant adventure and they've made it to the merge if it were Survivor. But yeah, they just have these random walking shots.
1: I feel like honestly... Something has happened in the bubble seasons where the producers in the beginning one, the Clarentatia season, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: fine. They didn't really know what they were doing. It was like they were one of the first shows to go back into production after the pandemic and they had to figure things out. Okay, fine. You get a season to try and figure this out. That season looked like shit.
2: One cardboard taxi.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But then you had Matt James season. Similar. It looked a little better. The the location was at least opulent. Mm. But the way it was presented was equally shitty. And now we had Katie Thurston's season after that. Equally shitty. And now we've got Michelle Young's season, which is really this first one that's kind of a hybrid. They are doing a little bit of travel, but it still is like locked down at resorts and stuff. And it still kind of looks shitty. I don't know why they're having such trouble making, not only just the look of it, but like you're saying... The level of enthusiasm that they are not able to drum up in the players shines through this show. It's like if the players aren't enthusiastic about going to Minneapolis or whatever it may be, how the fuck is the audience going to give a shit?
2: We saw women screaming, leaping on beds, screaming that they loved Cleveland. And Minneapolis is a great city.
1: There's even a shot at one point where... Michelle Young is walking with some of the guys down the street, I think, if I remember right in this, and she's just kind of like, yeah, it's pretty nice out here, right? And they're like, yeah, it's pretty good. That's their attitude. It's not, I love Minneapolis. It's like, yeah, it's pretty good. That's basically what the tone of this whole season has been so far. It's pretty good.
2: I mean we haven't even gotten into this, but I do think it was a bizarre choice to put Joe Coleman on the first date. Like, I feel like it should have been someone who wasn't from Minneapolis. So she's like showing them around, explaining things.
1: Absolutely. And Joe Coleman, you know, we're going to get into his play style. It's an interesting style for sure. And it is effective, but it's not good on camera. He is soft-spoken. He Mm. is quiet and not in a shy style way. Quiet confidence. We know this.
2: Do not get confused. He's not a (laughs) shy style player.
1: (laughs) Those are different styles, but it's kind of like uh,
2: a quiet con quiet confidence.
1: At any rate, let's let's continue here. So (laughs) the guys are all doing their version of (laughs) I love Cleveland. She's telling her parents. She has all these tough decisions to make. And then the guys meet Michelle by a fountain as Nate is ITMing that she put him in his place last week and he's got to be on his game this week. And then Clayton ITMs that he's finally coming out of his shell turtle reference here and he wants that one-on-one more than anything he says as do all of the players and so then michelle welcomes the guys to minneapolis she says she has some incredible dates planned for this week and she has a small surprise the first one-on-one date starts right now
2: can you believe it
1: i can and this is the joe coleman date he walks away with her forcing all the other guys to watch them leave. And the other guys will start talking about how disappointed they are. Olu ITMs that he hopes Joe doesn't come back <laughs> as we then cut to Joe and Michelle making out of the fucking car. And it's like, come on, Olu. Of course, he's coming back.
2: Portion number two, we see them driving through the city. The guys go to the Marquette Hotel. We get no I Love Cleveland. The guys chat about Joe's connection. Back on the date, Michelle brings Joe into the baseball stadium. They wear twins' jerseys. And the announcer says if Michelle throws a strike, then Joe gets a kiss. I don't know how that, if she agreed to this or not, but she throws what they say is a strike and (laughs) Joe gets that kiss. It's
1: not a strike, it's not a strike at all. But this actually, I thought was like a cool date. This is a date that I think it would actually be fun to be on. To get to throw out the opening pitch in a major league baseball game, that is pretty cool.
2: Definitely. A little less cool. (laughs) They then go to her high school.
1: Yes. And I got the feeling that they didn't stay for the baseball game. They, I think, literally threw out the opening pitch and then went straight to the base or straight to the high school, where she takes him to her locker. Her fucking high school locker. And he even is like, oh, you remember your exact locker? And she's like, oh, yeah. Is this real? Or is she making this shit up?
2: You don't think you could identify where your high school locker was at your high school?
1: Not if someone threatened to kill me and my entire family if I couldn't do it. They would all be dead. I would be dead. Absolutely fucking not even close.
2: Wow. Do you feel strongly about that one, Clues?
1: It just it just struck me as extremely strange. Now, granted, I'm a little older than Michelle Young, so I'm a little further from the high school experience.
2: Yeah, I don't think I could identify the exact one, but I think I could like pick the area. But I also had a few different ones, so I don't know.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, I remember lockers shifted around every year. You got a new locker. At any rate, she... <laughs> takes him to this fucking locker. They kiss.
2: I believe she knows where hers is.
1: <laughs> she might. She was also like a high school star, and I think her high school experience was probably very positive and all that shit. She's probably got it locked away. But she shows Joe a bunch of trophies in this trophy case. They look at her old yearbook, and then she takes him onto the basketball court, and they play a little one-on-one. This is very reminiscent of Madison Pruitt and Pilot, Popeye, Peter Weber on season 24 of The Bachelor. She ITMs that Mr. Basketball, Miss Basketball, go good together and they bond over this and uh it seems like this childhood sport that they played is an important part of both of their lives which is setting up something that's going to happen later in this date
2: do you believe they go at one point to look at like sports photos that are behind in a like trophy case Mm -hmm. do you believe that those were already there
1: uh that's not Super unbelievable to me. I know, like, if you're a really good player, and she was, she was ranked, like, whatever, in whatever. We've seen all that shit that they've Mm -hmm. used in packages of her before. Like, if you're a standout player, that shit stays in trophy cases and stuff, for sure. If she was, like, the best Mm -hmm. player of those four years, I would buy that. If they were on a championship team or something like that.
2: If you go to my high school, there will not be a trace of me. (laughs) (laughs) Erased... From the document. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's shit of me anywhere in my high schools. I doubt it. I I mean I was on some sports teams, but I was never like the star quarterback or anything.
2: Mr. Baseball.
1: Yeah. I was one of several Mr. Baseballs. Mr.'s baseball. <laughs> Whatever the plural of that is. I don't know. At any rate, they then go to the bleachers and Joe tells her that this is the best date he's ever been on. And she says he reminds her a lot of her dad and her brother because he's reserved. He doesn't always express emotions, kind of neutral. And she asks if he's always reserved. And this right here, this is just beautiful, what Joe does. This is that. qui Joe says his dad is reserved, and he's only seen his dad cry once or twice. That brought him inward where he literally says, I built a wall. That is playing a wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> Beautifully done. This is the what i have kind of like considered to be in what we write about in the book this is the quintessential one-on-one date pattern you have a great date during the day and then you have a little moment where you're going to sit down and talk this can happen on a bleachers in a high school this can happen on a fucking picnic this can happen by a waterfall it can happen in many places but you're going to get this moment where Uh you have the conversation and then you pull back you're very friendly You're even showing chemistry play during the day. Then you pull back and you raise a wall right here in this moment. And he does it perfectly, literally using the word wall. He says he's trying to take down this wall and trust people. And this experience is a step in the right direction. He's praising the process. And then she says she has seen the benefits of being able to open up. And she appreciates him working toward tearing that wall down. They get a kiss. This was just, I mean, this is exactly how you play the day portion. Literally, exactly. It's textbook. Beautifully done here by Joe.
2: Absolutely. I love to see a day wall leading into a night PTC. I do, too. You know, it's like your hint of emotional walls. And then you're like, well, what's behind that? Wait until the night portion and you'll find out.
1: But it's also the the table turner, not to be confused with the table top, but the table turner portion of it where it's like you're having this great day. Oh, look at all these fucking pictures of me. Here's my locker. Oh, we're playing basketball. We're teasing each other about who's going to win. And you're bonding, bonding, bonding. Then all of a sudden, boom, that wall comes up. And it's like, oh, shit. The lead now is like all of that bonding we did. Is that for nothing? Was that even real? The wall is up. Traditionally. Here, we know that this is all a game. Michelle Young knows what the score is the whole time. But... Usually, traditionally, a lead might get scared by that wall, and then you're going to use the night portion to alleviate that fear when you bring the wall down and talk about why you had the wall, and we're going to get to that very soon. But back at the hotel, all the guys are talking about how they want the one-on-one. Tabletop gets a weird ITM in which he's just talking about what Nate should be doing at this point in the game. Not a good sign for Tabletop when the producers are using your screen time to further someone else's narrative. Just let that be a lesson to you. If you're in an ITM and the producers are like, tell us what you think Nate should be doing during this moment. Just be like, huh? I'd rather talk about my relationship. Don't give him that fucking footage.
2: I'd rather talk about tabletop. Yeah. It's table time. (laughs) (laughs) At the hotel, they get the date card for the group date. It is Casey, Rodney, Martin, Leroy, Rick, Clayton, Olu, Chris, and Brandon meet me at the stadium, love, Michelle. And Nate is getting that one-on-one. And Chris ITMs, I'm really disappointed I went on a limb for her. Everything I said fell on deaf or ears. I feel like I got the short end of the stick. So he's starting this uh, disgruntled evil villain edit.
1: Is this real? I kept seeing all of his ITMs about him being, I told her honestly about this shit and she still went on a date with him. I'm just like, what? I don't know. This seems fake to me. Like he's faking being angry so that he can get out of the show. That's what it felt like to me. Like he had had enough. He didn't want to be there.
2: Yeah. I think he knows he's not a front runner and maybe he negotiated to stay one more week so that he would do this. I don't know.
1: I don't either. Portion three opens with a title card that is a trigger warning. There are going to be discussions of depression and suicide. We will use this also as our trigger warning. We will be discussing those things Mm -hmm. as they relate to these coming scenes. So skip ahead 10 minutes or so, I would say. So Michelle and Joe meet on a bridge and then they go to their fake dinner. And she says, so tell me about Joe. And he says, that's a good question. That's not a question, Joe. (laughs) Joe talks about uh, how he broke some bones in his leg in seventh grade because of sports and how he broke his foot in college got surgery. The doctor fucked it up, split his bone in half, had to have another surgery, now has seven screws and a plate in his left foot. And it's been tough for him to handle because he's been a basketball player his whole life and a high level one at that. Potentially somebody who could have made money at this. And now he can't play at that level, can't play where he used to. And he says that he didn't want to be out there on the basketball court because he couldn't handle it mentally. And he had the worst anxiety and depression of his life. And he even goes so far as to say that he had times where he thought he didn't want to still be here. His life was gone. He said this produces not only tears from him, Michelle produces tears here. And he keeps saying that he had such high standards. He didn't feel like he was still at that level. And he was mentally not in a good place.
2: This injury, mental illness, PTC by Joe was my play of the game. Anytime you're extracting tears from the lead, you have, well, not anytime, but most times you extract tears from the lead, you have made a good play. (laughs) And I thought Joe handled this perfectly. I was like, what is a fifth metatarsal? I was like, that word like stood out in my head. They had like these details and being a black man talking about mental illness and like being truly vulnerable in this moment. Like, you know, I got, I got chills listening to this story and like, he's saying things that in any other circumstance, like ball was life. You would be like, that's cheesy. But in this moment I was like, ball was life and his life was gone. And it like, It really, it touches the fourth audience's heart. Yeah, I just thought that this was amazing. And...
1: Was it the best play of the game? Yes. Yes. Was it my play of the game? No. I'm going to be doing something (laughs) a little different tonight. I'm just going to be going with what (laughs) I was most entertained by. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But I agree with you. This was hands down the actual best play of the game. And even in the end of it, after he says all this stuff, he then comes to the point, which you have to do with PTCs if you really want to get the true value out of them. You have to then also let the lead know what you learned from it. I have this wall that I expressed in the day. The PTC is the reason I had the wall. I'm now taking the wall down because of what I have learned from the PTC. And here at the very end of this, Mm -hmm. Joe says... He had to learn to focus on what can make him happy outside of basketball. That's what he learned, that he can be happy outside of this thing that had been his whole life. He says, so much of your identity is caught up in sports. You're like, who am I when that ends? And he felt lost. And then he came back home and his family helped him through it. We get a bunch more tears from Michelle here. And she says she's been in that position. So she's mirroring his PTC back, having so much anxiety about how badger hurting, et cetera, et cetera. This was just beautifully done. And obviously he's gonna get a kiss, and obviously he's gonna get that one on one rose here. We see a lot of perfectly played one on one dates. Nonetheless, mm. every one of them is just a fucking work of art to me. This shit was unreal. Yeah. It was so perfectly played top to bottom. There wasn't a moment in it where you ever thought he's not getting the rose and not a moment in it where you ever thought he's not going to be in the finals.
2: It's also like the stereotype of the show is that you're having a bunch of Instagram and fitness models like talking about falling in love, having like surfacey conversations to have like a thoughtful discussion of mental illness in a way as it relates to sports, which is something that like a lot of people can identify with is as shitty as some of the producing of this show has been lately. I love seeing conversations like this. And I do have one note. I don't know if you noticed this, but when they're about to sit down to dinner, Michelle says she's never been on a Ferris wheel.
1: He said that too.
2: Well, No, they go on the Ferris wheel, and she says, "Have you ever been on a Ferris wheel by yourself?" Mm -hmm. And he says, "No." And she says, "I haven't either, actually." So I was like, "Which is it? Has she never been on a Ferris wheel, or has (laughs) she has, but she just hasn't been alone?"
1: (laughs) This I don't know. We're gonna have to go to the forums to find the answer to this one. I think that's some that's a heavy hitting story. There has Michelle Young been on a Ferris wheel alone or with others? (laughs) What is going on here? What's the truth? (laughs) (laughs) I thought the Ferris wheel was like a nice moment at the end. But this fucking date, they went into a Major League Baseball stadium. They fucked around at her high school. They went out to dinner and a fucking Ferris wheel. That's like a 12-hour fucking date, minimum.
2: Yeah. Well, she ITMs today was the most powerful, special, perfect, stars aligning date I've ever been on. And she describes them as two souls living side by side without knowing it. And today brought them together. They kiss on the Ferris wheel. And then we get the show puts the suicide hotline on there i appreciated this uh the inclusion of the trigger warning you know they didn't do that during jamie's date and i think they're listening to their audience
1: yeah i agree and then portion four begins it is the daytime and this is the group date michelle is sitting alone in u.s bank stadium home of the NFL team, the Minnesota Vikings. As the guys walk up to the stadium for this group date, Clayton is itming that he will perform well on a football date for Michelle. You can hear it in his voice. Finally, I'm going to get to do something. Clayton's all ready for this. The guys enter the stadium. They literally sprint to her. They're in a foot race here. Brandon wins the sprint, gets that first hug, and Michelle asks them what they think they're going to be doing today. They all think it's football, obviously. Wouldn't you? Idiot. Yeah, it's like, well, I've seen The Bachelor before. There have been multiple football dates that take place in NFL stadiums. That's probably going to be what it is. But by the very nature of her asking the question, you know, that is not true. She asked them if they're ready to meet the Vikings. They all think it's the football team, but it's not. Instead, it's three guys. Steiner, the crazy Viking, Thorfinn, and Bowley. Okay. I mean, you know what's about to happen. I think everybody listening knows what's about to happen. <laughs> Steiner the Crazy Viking was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. <laughs>
2: Steinar, the crazy Viking, what's also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week, 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 week.
1: It is rare for me to see a bystander and be completely confused by the nature of their <laughs> bystanding. Every once in a while, we have somebody like on Bachelor in Paradise.
2: What, snake lady?
1: Exactly. That's the one I was just about to reference. Yes. (laughs) Like on Bachelor in Paradise, when she comes out and she's like, I'm going to make you a human (laughs) churro, then I'm going to put a snake on you. I'm like, wait a minute. What is this person's job? Where did they find this person? What's going on? When these three guys come out, all I'm thinking to myself is like, sorry, where did you find them? Who are they? Do they put on these Viking things as a job? Are they just three extras that you found in Minnesota who look kind of Viking-y. Who are these people? What are they doing? Why are they here? For that reason alone, for the level of confusion that I was given by Steiner and his two Viking henchmen, of course Steiner's going to be my fucking Jorge Moreno. Of course.
2: It's also like their mascot is a Viking. They could have put the actual mascot in, but no, they they get this the bootleg version of the mascot, which is Steinar. He makes everyone growl for him and screams at their weaklings. I love uh, a bystander who contributes to the psychological and emotional torture, of course.
1: I still am just like, why is Like, they're now getting into these Viking games and shit. And it's like, but who are you, Steinar? Who are you, Thorfinn? Who are you, Bowley? The
2: crazy Viking. But
1: why do they get to be the arbiters of like who's the best Viking? I don't understand this at all. It's the weirdest shit. Like totally made up, totally bizarre, makes no sense whatsoever.
2: I feel like you don't have this problem when they have like the extreme dodgeball. This person is the reading who wins.
1: No, but those are just like announcers or whatever. They don't bring out three guys uh-huh. to be like, I'm the fucking master of extreme dodgeball.
2: Who? What? Who is that? This
1: is fucking crazy. It's a made-up thing. These guys aren't Vikings. There's no Vikings.
2: I mean, they did that for the pilot date. Who's the whatever, the maverick.
1: Those guys are in Top Gun. They're actors in a giant studio movie that they're promoting. That makes sense to me, at least. This shit is just like, they found three guys who are like department store Santa Clauses to play Vikings. And now they're fucking (laughs) having guys eat dead fish and shit.
2: It's crazy. They probably were Santas. I think so. That's probably a big overlap. Totally, anyway. Then we get the most important portion of this game, which is all of the men screaming. Clayton yells, let's go. Let's go! And then Michelle goes, good job, Clayton.
1: Oh my God. Good job. This moment chilled me to the bone. You can see so many things happening here. There's some guys taking the screaming thing seriously. Some of them, like Brandon's taking it as a joke. He's having fun with it. Tabletop does some weird-ass shit, like really terrifying face play in it where he's like, you know, it looks like he's really trying to be mean. And then Clayton steps up and is like, I got this. And his whole goal is to be like, I'm going to scream the loudest. Clayton's going to show Miss Young that he can do good screaming. Go! Let's go! and then her reaction to it is not like oh my god that's amazing you're such a good viking it's good job clayton he's a fifth <laughs> grader to her and she's giving him a fucking gold star <laughs> on his book report and he's like fucking into it he's like that's right i showed her i have value Unfucking real good job clayton and then it doesn't stop there Also, Michelle, by the way, is ITMing. She's still looking for these small moments. And these guys are like, okay, now you Uh have to yell. Now the next thing is throw a fucking tree stump. And this tree stump throw, this was one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in The Bachelor. Okay. After the screams, (laughs) the Vikings are like, now we have to do a strength challenge. There's a fucking literal tree stump sitting in the middle of the field. And these men are asked Uh to pick this thing up. I would guess this thing probably weighs... 50 pounds, 40 pounds, I don't fucking know. They're meant to basically do a shot put with it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Clayton. To be a Viking.
1: Shot putting this stump and then taking the opportunity to scream again unsolicited after the stump throw was my play, 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 play of the game.
0: I AM THE
2: ULTIMATE FUNKING! What? <laughs> look. What? Oh my god, I'm but crying. Just,
1: I'm crying. Okay, look. <laughs> I you know mean? what I'm saying sounds crazy, oh but god. let me explain, okay?
2: Ball is life, Clue. <laughs> Did not, you not hear it? Ball is life and the, his life was over. His metatarsals.
1: His metatarsals were the play, the, not the play of the game, not my play of the game. They were the best play of the game. I am awarding my play of the game, <laughs> this game, to a play that is not the best play, but is my favorite play. Okay.
2: <laughs> I feel like this award is a cry for help.
1: <laughs> it is. You got to let me have this because this season uh-huh. is boring me to fucking tears. And this moment to me, I was like, okay, I am watching this man who. So far, his only value in the game is screaming as loud as he can. I'm now watching him throw a stump and I'm watching him scream again for no fucking reason. Somewhere in this, the producers are like, that's the next Bachelor. Something he's doing in this and the way he's throwing the stump or the way he's yelling is making them realize he's our next Bachelor. I don't know what Mm -hmm. the fuck is going on anymore. So... I have to award him at some point with something because whatever game he's playing is a longer game, whether he knows it or not. Nate's not the next bachelor. Joe Coleman's not.
2: So you're like anything Clayton does is award worthy because he's the next crowd.
1: No, I'm, I'm saying this is award worthy because I loved it. I rewound it like three or four times when he's like, oh, he's throwing this fucking st- it's a fucking giant guy throwing a fucking tree stump to find love. It's crazy. Like, I fucking love it. That's the shit that I really like about the game is when it's you just see through the fabrication of it. None of this is about her finding love. She doesn't give a fuck about Clayton. Good job, Clayton. There's nothing in her that ever wants to date this man. And that's why I love it. That's the lie of it. That's the sauce, you know?
2: I mean, look, I I found this to be the most entertaining Date of this episode for sure Obviously not play the game worthy When we saw some beautiful play By both Joe and Nate um, But I Want you to be happy so good job Clues <laughs> <laughs> He did great <laughs> Thank you very much By the way Rodney does find Small moments in the stump play He does his secret handshake with Michelle Before throwing the stump
1: Yeah Rodney's a good player Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the SkinSafe seal of approval.
2: You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off, oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever
1: experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
2: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy-filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com. Dot .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues underwear drawers they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes, mm. and there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long-sleeve shirt and <laughs> my...
1: from the outside in i mean you know generally speaking then the vikings tell these guys they have to go change into their viking outfits and all the guys go in the dressing room and we see here the producers have singled out chris s with a full costume the other guys are kind of in manly viking outfits with furs and shit chris s gets this like i guess it's a centaur costume he has like half a horse body for any players out there listening If you're in a group date situation like this where they're handing out costumes and the one you have is ridiculous, do not wear it, period. They are building you for a fool edit. As soon as he puts this on, you know he's gone, that the producers are angling to send him home that day and make him look bad while they're doing it.
2: Right after Chris S. gets the fool costume of the horse's ass, they then reveal the fear factor food element of this group date with all of these foods on this table, Viking head hash, and then a fermented herring lying limp on a plate. And this fermented fish that gave its life
0: to strut its stuff on this (laughs) Fear Factor-style NFL group date was my...
2: (laughs) Creature of the week. Beep, beep, beep. You know, it was the star of the show. It got a lot of face play out of it. I didn't see any other creatures this app.
1: Oh, I did.
2: Congratulations to my fermented herring.
1: I did see another creature, and what? we'll get to it a little bit later. Shit. But the eating of the fermented herring and the Viking head hash, with it's just all this gross meat shit. There's a move here that nobody used and I can't believe it. Oh, sorry. I'm vegan. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you're out. You don't have to deal with any of this shit. My take on any of these fear factor type things is never indulge. It's worthless to do so. You don't ever get any benefit out of it. In fact, when Brandon goes in to kiss her in the end of this date and she's like, oh, God, fish mouth. You you get detriment, potentially. If you think back to dates like um, on Colton Underwood Season 23, they go into the jungle and they're meant to all the players on this group date are meant to like dig up worms and eat them and drink water out of fucking plants and shit. Hannah Brown, Demi Burnett, and Hannah Godwin leave. They leave the group date.
2: Hannah ate a worm though.
1: That's uh, that was her Hannah beast thing. That was her own personal brand building <laughs> during the course of this group date. They leave the challenge. They don't even look for fucking worms. They go back to the hotel with the producer's help and bring back hamburgers and champagne and save the day they win that whole fucking game i'm just saying there are ways out of this shit it's Mm -hmm. these fear factor things are in my opinion you can bypass them every time without penalty
2: yeah it's also not a play for time so you don't need to you don't need to eat them
1: and then the guys have this arm wrestling competition and you know chris s says he's gonna forfeit and michelle young is like no so he has to arm wrestle olu who of course beats him and we, it's just, there's nothing going on here. There's no stakes whatsoever. We've set up in the earlier part, Steiner is like, there can only be one real Viking. And it's like, well, how's that going to be gauged? Oh, the producers are just going to select whoever. And in fact, that is what they do. The Vikings come out and they give the award for the ultimate Viking to Clayton. It is a silver helmet with plastic horns. He screams again when he gets it. I am the ultimate Viking! And this is the first real moment we've seen of our next Bachelor underwhelming in many ways
2: i like to think steinar made this decision and he therefore crowned clayton as the next bachelor
1: sure (laughs) steiner the president of the viking association like again (laughs) what is any of this it's all complete bullshit and now we see that clayton has this hat on this helmet that he's wearing and i don't know at what point in the process the producers realize he's our next bachelor But I think it might have been right before this because now we're starting to see him get sucked up into this, at least into the edit, a lot more. But like, he's also winning shit now. And we'll see here as we begin portion five in the night portion, it's the group date. And the guys are uh, talking with Michelle at the event center called Simple Mansion. And she toasts to the day being special. And she thanks the guys for making the small moments in between eating raw fish and screaming happen. And then we get one-on-one time with... Clayton himself and he tells her that he was staring up the ceiling all night thinking about showing out on the group date and he's asking her how she's so confident and she's like she's finally seeing the real Clayton coming out this is all lies she does not care about Clayton this is like part of being a lead and we'll see it come up with with Martin again part of being a lead is that you have to believably sell to the fourth audience that you actually are entertaining the idea of relationships with all of these people simultaneously, when the truth is, you've already selected who's going to win the game, usually by night one. So all of this is window dressing. And here, Michelle Young is just forced into doing it, you know? I'm finally seeing the real Clayton come out. It's like, and? But he asks her if she's always been this poised, or did she learn from her experience as a player? And he starts talking about his parents being so important to him. He ITMs that there's chemistry. I don't know if that's true. We get a kiss and it's just like, it's all fake.
2: I think they bond over how important their parents are. Sure. Brandon performs a steal. Brandon is the only one who's really giving it to us in the ITMs as a colorful narrator. He says, that green dress, Lord's going to have to separate you and I tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, and she rewards his uh, making small moments for her on the group date by cringling him Swedish fish. And he says, this is it. That's the true beauty and star I've been chasing my entire life. Back at the house, Nate gets his date card looking for a man who isn't afraid to test the waters. And Joe, that qui card jokes with him you know how to swim (laughs) (laughs) i did actually like
1: this little moment between them it seemed like they were genuinely friends and like that seemed like a real relationship much more real than whatever michelle young is trying to convey with clayton
2: we get a bunch of quick pops of the rest of the guys on the group date get steal from leroy leroy has not been in the document at all he's in the top 10 haven't heard from him
1: We cut to Chris S. telling Martin that he hasn't talked to her yet. He told her about Nate, and he feels like he got played. He's pissed about this. And then Martin says to him, he gives him basically straight gameplay advice. He says there's three things you can't do. You can't be prideful, you can't be insecure, and you can't be jealous. He is wrong here. You can be all of these things. You just can't convey them. But what he's saying here is just straight gameplay. This is pure strategy. He understands that if you're prideful, insecure, or jealous, it's going to fuck up your first audience, your second audience, potentially your third, definitely your fourth. He understands that. I found this very fucking interesting.
2: Yeah, Martin, he's always... He's not always. He's sometimes thinking ahead.
1: (laughs) I think he's always thinking and trying to strategize. He just... (laughs) we'll get to it, but he's not always good at
2: it. (laughs) Uh, Michelle comes back to the group. She says, are we missing someone? And Chris S comes over. He's been fuming about turtling. And she gives her runner up award to Brandon. promises to never make him eat fermented fish again. And then gold star goes to Clayton learning about your parents and how similar you were to my parents. Will you accept this group date rose? Clayton gets that GDR
1: again. He got my play of the game. The GDR is always harder to get than the one on one. And he pulled it off here. This is, of course, is a producer rose. Michelle Young has no stake in any of the players who are there on that group date that night. Her two one on ones this week are the only two guys that will be in the finals. So she's just doing whatever the producers want her to do here. Clayton gets the group date rose. This is going to help build his story out as the next bachelor.
2: Brandon says, Chris, do you have something to say? You're smacking your lips. Chris S says, nothing to say to you guys. And Casey ITMs, if you thought he was desperate last week, he's way more desperate this week. Casey giving, he gets so many ITMs and he's just not doing it for me in terms of a colorful narrator.
1: Nobody is. They don't have that person on this season. Or if they do, they're not cutting in their shit.
2: Portion six begins. It is the one-on-one date with Nate Olukoya. Michelle is on a boat. Nate runs down these stairs to a dock and loads love level one. I clearly like her. They kiss. They're at Lake Minnetonka. Michelle says, today you're going to get your feet wet a little bit. The Minnesota dream is to have a house on Lake Minnetonka. And they go to a place called Lord Fletcher's. And Michelle says, I have something to tell you. This is a one-on-one, but it's actually going to turn into a group date. Two of her best friends, Tia and Allie, will be joining. Nate gets the coveted early meeting of the friends date. That is generally reserved for frontrunners. And all four of them get on a boat, and the friends start a grilling. And the friends are students of this game, clearly. They say, we want to make sure you're here for TRR. Is there anyone here you think could be for TWR? They know the right questions to ask.
1: And they're using the right terminology. They're literally saying for the right reasons and for the wrong reasons. They have watched this fucking show inside and out. If you're listening, ladies, glad to have you with us in the pit, Ellie and Tia.
2: (laughs) Wish you had worn your 4TRR shirts.
1: Yeah, that'll come. (laughs) That'll happen eventually. We will get one of those in the document. But Nate plays this perfectly. They start asking yeah. him about who these 40 TWR players might be and how he's getting along with the other guys. And he kind of gives them the general overview of the Chris S situation, which allows him to tell them about it. But also Michelle Young's right there. She's hearing this explanation, too. He's not telling it to her. He's not wasting any time on her with that. He's saying it to the friends, but she gets the benefit of it. Perfectly fucking played. So it doesn't sound like he's trying to defend himself to Michelle Young against Mm Chris's allegations. He's just explaining what they're asking. That's all. And it goes over perfectly. We even see at this point, some of her friends or one of her friends, I forget which one, I think it might've been Tia, Fucking glows them. She says, I can yeah. see you have physical chemistry. I was like, oh my fucking god, they're getting glows from the friends unsolicited. This yes. shit is high level plays. High level plays.
2: I mean, Nate's terminance was on full display here when he, when he's asked about whether there are four TWR people, he's like, um, Michelle knows what she's doing. She sniffs out those guys. Like, he's able to like just. Charminance's his way around all of these things. And Michelle admits here that after one of their dates, he walked away and she got choked up, overcome by emotions. And the friends are like, she's so worth knowing. And I love the way you guys look at each other. Allie, ITMs, they had the most amazing natural chemistry. She needs to stay in her power and trust her gut. Again, more, another loaded glow. And there's basically an implied blessing. Michelle says Nate got that almost approval. The group date ends. The friends leave having uh, certified that he's for rr And Michelle says, are you ready to get purified? And they <laughs> jump in the water in their swimsuits. <laughs>
1: And then back at the hotel, Chris S. is telling Martin that her infatuation with Nate is overshadowing the truth, and he has to get across what he has to get across before that rose ceremony. It can't wait. So the producers obviously have set him up for some kind of a knock-knock here, or what we're going to find out is a crashing of, his, of the night portion of Nate's day. And then we got to portion seven. It's the night Nate and Michelle are sitting at a table with their fake dinner, and Nate says he can't wait to meet more of her friends. She's asking him if he thinks it's important to be vulnerable. He says he needs open dialogue and communication in a relationship. Somebody to call him out on his bullshit, and she's like, I'll definitely do that. And they kind of laugh and joke about how she's going to take him to task. But uh, he says he doesn't want to be serious all the time. He's been in relationships where the playful, fun guy isn't there anymore, and that's a sign it's not working out. Michelle then takes the cue to say she knows what that's like. She was in a relationship for three years where she was putting in more than she was getting out, didn't feel like herself. It became so toxic for her that she actually became physically sick from it. Doctor spent a month searching for answers, but it turned out it was the relationship. And she says she clawed her way out of that and her parents were there with her through it all. And she talks about being seen because she remembers making that decision to never get in a relationship where she's putting in more than the other person, not being seen for who she truly is. So Nate here, isn't really playing a PTC or anything, but even by just mm-hmm. saying that he has to be open and honest so that he can be who he is, he gets Michelle to kind of bring one out herself. And it serves the same function dramatically in the course of this one-on-one night portion.
2: Yeah, it's growing vulnerability between them as a couple. This PTC by Michelle was super moving and hard to hear. I hope that never happens again for... Her. <laughs> And Nate responds to it in, you know, nothing but Nate way. I couldn't imagine being with someone like you and taking advantage of the type of person you are. And she says that she's never going to be in a relationship where it's not reciprocated. Meanwhile, they are giving Chris S. this psychopath edit <laughs> where he they're setting him up to crash the date, a la Trish Schneider in season five of The Bachelor, Jesse Palmer, when she crashed a fantasy suite date that he was on
1: with mandy j jeffries the texas pageant queen
2: and michelle tells nate today was one of my favorite days nate says of ever (laughs) really
1: (laughs) (laughs) and also let's when they're having chris s about to fucking do this infiltration he goes out and gets in a fucking car a show car Put there by the producers again these are producers who are trying to help michelle young find love the easiest way to do that is to take the front runner who she's already told them that she likes a lot and fucking blow that date up right that's the best way to help her find love this whole show is a fucking lie and it's a bad lie at this point none of this is fucking believable so chris s shows up at this one-on-one acting like He's doing what he thinks she wants him to be doing. And at the fake dinner, (laughs) Nate L.O. wants her. He says he feels real feelings. And then he future casts a little. If there was a best case scenario, this would be at a hundred percent kind of implying like in the future, they should be together. They get a kiss. Then Chris walks up interrupting and says, can I speak with you for a moment? It's important. And this ends this portion seven. When he comes in, both of them, Michelle and Nate have to know this is the producer's. This is why shit like this doesn't work in fucking season 18 of the bachelorette in 2021. They have all (laughs) seen the show a million times. You can't pull what you did in season five with Trish Schneider and Mandy J. Jeffries. It doesn't work. They know you're setting it up. So Nate has no reaction to it. He's just kind of like
2: what he does. Great face play,
1: (laughs) great face play, but he doesn't try to stop it from happening. He leaves it up to Michelle. She's like, okay, I'll go fucking talk to you. She just seems annoyed by it at this point. It's not like anything she's giving real attention to. She's just like, fine, whatever. The producers are fucking idiots. You can see in their faces. They know this is all being done by the producers, and it is not a real threat to either of them in any way.
2: Portion eight begins with Nate saying weird in response to this steal.
1: (laughs) That's that (laughs) Canadian-ness. Dweeb. Yeah, fucking weird dweeb.
2: They go outside. Chris S says, I feel really insecure being here. I felt really disappointed last night. I didn't get a chance to speak with you. I felt really played by the whole situation. Michelle's like, Played? It's like, I said what I said. You came down and sat next to Nate. Two days later, you're giving him a one on one. What I said had fallen on deaf ears. I came to say that I warned you and don't want you to make the right decision. Nate ITMs that he wasn't expecting anyone to show up, let alone Chris S. It's wasting time he could have with Michelle. Very 4TRR answer talks about her interrupting her.
1: In that ITM where he's saying, I wasn't expecting anyone to show up. He's literally sitting in a fucking room talking to the producer who brought Chris S. there saying, I wasn't expecting anyone to show up, you fucking asshole. That's basically what he's implying. He's having a conversation with the person who did this.
2: Mm, he's saying, you you freaking dweeb. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I forgot. Oh, God.
2: Oh, shit. (laughs) Michelle tells Chris, I was caught off guard with how you approached the situation. You did speak for me. And when you spoke about it to everyone openly, and he says, Well, why'd you put a fake smile on the group day and be fake with me all day if that's what was on your mind? And she says, You talked about the effort and attitude you put in. You didn't have a good attitude. You looked like you wanted to be anywhere but there. He says he felt really foolish. I wonder what made him feel that way, dressing up as the butt of a horse. (laughs) Michelle says, I appreciate you wanting to look out for me, but I can speak for myself. I want a man who's going to stand and support me when I speak, not a man who's going to speak for me. As a female, as a female of color, there's a lot of situations where people speak for me and my voice isn't heard. I'm empowered when I can speak for myself, have to be confident in myself to make decisions. We're not on the same page. don't see this relationship progressing, so I do need to walk you out. Another beautiful, eloquent speech by Michelle.
1: And then she does not walk him out. She walks him to an escalator. And then we get this Uh, weird shot of him going down the escalator. And she's up at the top of it, like horror movie style. You can just see her head over the top of the fucking escalator watching him go down. He gets no form of an exit speech here. She ITMs that uh, she felt like he was trying to control her decision when it's her journey. So this is basically the weakest rivalry that producers have ever tried to drum up, comes to a close and Michelle comes back and apologizes to Nate for stepping away. And then we see Chris S walking out into the street, getting into a car. Nate then says, there's no need to apologize. It was your choice. Perfect play there. And Michelle says she's confident, her decision-making abilities. And she references their chemistry again, unlike anything I've ever felt before. She gives him the one-on-one rose. He gets a kiss Then they go up on top of the stadium and he gets the fireworks, which is obviously a very important award to be given. Although we're going to see, I guess, later in the season, some other people are going to get fireworks as well. But then we see Chris S. in this car. One shot of him. Yeah. He says nothing. They don't even give him a word of an exit speech. That's like where we're at now in this show.
2: They just wanted to show his face and be like, oh, he's probably hearing those fireworks.
1: But I mean, like, why even show him at that point? If you're just going to completely remove him. And I don't know about Chris S. I don't know what his real deal is in real life. All I know is what the producers are showing me in this. They fucked this man over. Hardcore, in my opinion. I think Mm -hmm. they probably tuned him up in those ITMs to be like, well, Nate thinks he has it on the bag and she doesn't see it. You better go tell her. Yeah. Also, you have to wear this fucking horse costume and look like a complete dipshit. Also, you're going to have to interrupt their one on one date. Also, we're going to edit out everything you say after it.
2: They probably didn't put that last part, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At any rate, this whole date ends with another kiss, and Michelle is loading an LL2 in an ITM to end portion eight. She says, I might be starting to fall in love. Portion nine opens with a beautiful image of the sun setting behind the minneapolis skyline and then we get a shot of a public thoroughfare some people are walking this way and that some people are on bicycles and there is Uh something else in this shot we see a horse This horse is strutting his stuff right down the fucking street as he pulls a carriage being piloted by a person whose face is blurred out because that person didn't sign a release form with ABC. But the horse knew what was at stake here and definitely signed the release form because we see this horse's beautiful equine face in crystal clarity. No blur as this horse takes center stage in this all-important shot leading us into the rose ceremony. I don't even need to say it, but I will. This horse was my (laughs) creature of the week.
2: Wow, I didn't even see this horse. Oops. (laughs) Oops. It
1: was other than the fish, I think it was the only creature in the in the whole show. In the game tonight.
2: Oh, man, this is like Percy 2.0. Rodney is going hard for his second audience game. Maybe he's worried he's going home. He's like, I gotta maintain these connections for my parasocial game. For real. He says this is among the greatest group of guys I've ever been around. The top ten, because our connections are so strong. <laughs>
1: Rodney's whole fucking deal. I mean, we'll see him in a minute here again when he gets some one-on-one time at this cocktail party. This motherfucker is just like loving this entire experience. This is the best thing that's ever happened to him.
2: Yes. Uh, Michelle enters. Casey performs a first responder, giving her that drink. And she tells them that Chris S. wasn't her person. She gets one-on-one time with Rick where he does a runway walk for her. She asks... Would you consider moving to Minnesota? Some strong future casting questions. Rick says, I would. It reminds me of home. And they <laughs> dance to a random piano man. Almost my bystander. It
1: was almost mine too. There's also a moment in this where when he's doing the runaway walk and he like turns around and flashes her some kind of a look. And she's like, whoa, that's some intense eye contact. And I'm like, finally, she's noticing it. This dude does some crazy ass face play, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily... Uh, charming or funny. It's like, to me at least, sometimes frightening.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Soul piercing. Yeah, soul piercing. Face play. Yeah. Michelle asked him if if he knew that piano man was gonna be there. If that ain't a sign, I D K what is. And they kiss. And he itms. He's all in at this moment. One on one time with Brandon. Michelle cringles him a birthday cake. They kiss. Then we get quick pops, one-on-one time, Olu, Leroy, Casey, Joe, Clayton. Clayton gets a kiss. Michelle brings Rodney onto the roof, and she tells him that he has to scream. And they scream, we love Minnesota. We're getting a little I love Cleveland here. Yeah. And Rodney says, I'm so blessed to be in a beautiful city, on a beautiful night with a beautiful woman. Didn't say beautiful top 10 guys. Cut them out of this one. Thank you so much. And they kiss.
1: And then we get some one-on-one time with that frosted tip backflipper, Martin. And this this was a hard one to watch for me. (laughs) Martin asked her about (laughs) hearing her give compliments, basically, to other people and, and using similar compliments. And he kind of is questioning if these are real. And she goes, do you think I'm blowing smoke up your ass? And he's like, no, no, no. But she is. Obviously, like he essentially is seeing a truth here that her telling all these different guys, oh, I'm just seeing where the relationship's going with you. All of that is lies, except for, I believe, Nate and Joe. So he's kind of calling her out on it, which is a mistake. You also have to uphold the lie if you're a player in the game. All leads must do this. All players must do this. So Martin then begins digging the hole even deeper by saying (laughs) that all the girls in Miami are high maintenance and he's glad she's not. This, again, is from a man who has bleached tips. Michelle then asked him what makes a girl high maintenance, and you're done. There is no good answer to this. You have laid a trap, walked into it, sprung it yourself, and now she's just watching you try to get it off your fucking ankle. He's totally fucked himself. He goes, uh, I mean, I guess it's... A woman who expects a guy, someone to do everything for them just because a man is a man. He shouldn't have to do everything. And it's actually takes away the power from the females, he says. And it's just, <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's just watching like a small fire erupt and fucking take down a whole house or something. You're just like, oh, God, what are you doing? Every word he says is worse than the next
2: I I mean, I thought he was done for with this. Anytime you're invoking the term females, (laughs) it ain't good. I know. And Martin, generally referring to the girls in Miami as very high maintenance, was my error, 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 error of the game. Just... A train wreck absolute train wreck especially for a man i had put in my final four i'm embarrassed to admit it
1: this entire conversation was my error 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 of the game the referring to miami females as high maintenance or whatever the fuck he said That was only kind of the beginning of this. He just keeps shoveling it because at a certain point, she's like, well, wait a minute. You didn't actually answer my fucking question. She's like, what's the difference between a man and a woman being high maintenance? And he goes, usually a man doesn't go into a relationship saying you're going to take care of him. And she fucking literally laughs out loud at this motherfucker. It's just he compounded this so badly and none of it ever had to happen. None of it ever had to be said. He did all of this unsolicited, just started talking about high maintenance Miami women. Like, what the fuck, dude? Just terrible, terrible gameplay. And you can see as he's doing it, he even knows it's wrong. And he just can't stop. Oh, it was hard to fucking watch. I'm sorry for you, Martin. This was a rough one.
2: It it is so bad. And she keeps having to repeat the question of like what makes them high maintenance. And you know, like And he knows he's dug himself into it. But he then tells the other guys that he shit talked to the Miami girls. Olu ICMs that he's very two-faced. Olu's new enemy.
1: (laughs) 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 Fucking Olu. Always looking for that enemy.
2: Oh, by the way, Martin at the end of that conversation was like, men shouldn't, and I don't think a woman should expect someone to take care of them. And that's why I decided to come on the show because you're different. And I was like, Oh, that was such a like, yeah, cringe phrase for me. Like, all my exes, they were crazy bitches, high maintenance Miami chicks. But you, Michelle, yeah, you look like you have a low standard for how men are going to treat you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that I'm not going to have to do shit. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he totally fucking botched this. Just dropped the ball and then kicked it into the fucking sewer. Portion 10 begins. Five roses in addition to three for Joe, Nate, and Clayton. Michelle says she admires everyone. And if you don't receive a rose, she just has to continue to follow her heart. She's said that in virtually every rose ceremony. We get our five roses to be handed out. It is Rick. It is Olu. It is Brandon. It is Martin. Taitlin now makes their first appearance. They come out in all white outfits to introduce the final rose. And that's it. Rodney gets it. And then Tatlin returns, Taisha gives the Tamsig, and Leroy and Casey, we suffered your savoring, along with Chris S., who did not even make the rose ceremony. Thank you for your service.
2: Savored your suffering?
1: Yes, savored your suffering. Those that remain, cheers to spending a second week in Minnesota and following your heart. We get another promo. We see a zipline, some hoojus, pizza, roller skating, a kiss, some kids, more fireworks. We get showers, we get horses, proms, jet skis, love levels, boats. More kisses, tears. The big cliffhanger line is, I can't be everybody's person? The premise of the show? Like, how is that what we're building to? Uh,
2: It's, you're an actor? (sighs) A dad saying he's not ready for an engagement? I
1: don't know. Like, there's just nothing Uh, here in this trailer. She feels sick to her stomach. We see Clayton crying, Nate crying, waves crashing, Michelle's crying. There's just nothing. There's nothing that we are looking forward to from this promo. Literally nothing. This is one of the worst produced seasons, I think, that has ever been made in the history of the game. Even the bubble seasons at least had... I mean, do you remember in fucking season 16 of Bachelorette when it was like, they they have to bring in another Bachelorette? That was mm-hmm. one of the most dramatic seasons of all time. And it was the first bubble season. There was shit happening in that that was just beyond... Anything you could have imagined. And granted, it had certain negative effects on the overall game as well. I'm not saying it was a great season, but it at the very least had some high fucking drama. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Even Katie's season.
2: Claire blew up the Bachelorette.
1: Claire blew up the Bachelorette. Matt James' season came with it a whole host of historic things, but obviously some crazy fucking drama in that. But even without the scandal, you had things like Rachel Kirkconnell skydiving accident. You had the mm-hmm. ATV flipping over. Things that they can at least cut to to make us be like, fuck, I have to know what happened there. None of that here. Fucking zero.
2: You would like uh, an injury.
1: <laughs> I would like anything that makes me want to keep watching. <laughs> at this
2: point. <laughs> I know. They, I mean, they show the clip of Michelle like crying on the driveway. It's like we see that from every bachelorette. They eventually go in the fetal position. Of course. Give us something new. Yeah. Roll around as you cry on the driveway. Put a new twist on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we then get a tag of Olu sharing a spicy African dish with Michelle. She eats it and demands milk because it's too spicy. And that is this week's mid-season game here. We're still in that regular season. Hometowns are coming up in a few short weeks, though, so we are approaching the playoffs. Maybe something more interesting will happen. But we got through this one. Who was your MVP?
2: Good job, Clues. Thanks. (laughs) Got through it. For his wall play, for his PTC, for his producing tears, for his extraction of tears, Joe Colbin was my... M-M-M-M-V-P...
1: Hmm. I had a different selection, you see.
2: <laughs> okay, is it Chris S? <laughs>
1: Clayton Eckard was my M M M M V E I am the ultimate my This might just start happening for me where he becomes my MVP every game because I...
2: You're a company man. You're dousing yourself in the sauce. uh,
1: Exactly. I'm looking at a different kind of game here now. One that I've never had the ability to look at before. Because prior to this, the Bachelors wouldn't be announced. I mean, he's still not officially announced, but whatever. We all know he's bachelor 26. We've never known that before, seeing it through a whole season. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm really looking at like, what is he doing to get that selection? And... I don't know. Was it the log throw? That's It was my personal favorite play. Was it the scream? That's all he did. How is he becoming fucking bachelor? I don't know, but I have to award it because whatever he's fucking doing worked. He beat everyone in this game. He beat everyone in this game. He beat Nate. He beat Joel Coleman. Joe Coleman. Joel Coleman, I said. <laughs>
2: He beat Joe Coleman. He beat Joel Coleman. He beat Joel (laughs) Coleman. (laughs) Joel Coleman. Okay. I think you're forgetting about some of his other plays. You got teacher stick. You got the Clayton rotation. Yep. You got...
1: That's about it. I'm not forgetting any of his fucking plays. I'm just saying the crown is the highest honor in the entirety of the game. If you can become lead, that is like the most difficult thing to do. He fucking did it Mm -hmm. somehow. I'm still in awe of it. And tonight I'm giving him an honorary MVP because I'm like, he's got to be doing something at a fundamental level that is just outstanding that I'm, I can't see it. It's not in the edit.
2: Mm -hmm. I like the, the unhinging of clues that is coming with this mid season, uh, (laughs) mid season play. Let's go. Let's go.
1: Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this breakdown (laughs) of our Bachelor at Season 18, Episode 5. That's Week 4. We will be back in 48 short hours to give you this week in Bachelor Nation, where we will break down all the best news pieces, all the best parasocial plays. Got some screams to the
2: pit. Caitlin Bristow hit 2 million.
1: (laughs) That will definitely be in the news go oh <laughs> i thought you were just making some noise like oh i thought you were just doing some <laughs> weird thing that i didn't understand yes we will be talking about caitlin bristow we will be talking about a wide variety of other things ben higgins wedding took place this past weekend we'll be covering that so please join us for that in two days and thank you for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big game before we go as always what is that dual that
2: It has been 7,177 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please
1: rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then... Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then... Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well... Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
2: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code "roses" at checkout to save an additional ten percent off your canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
0: Hold up.